Well, we, uh, we're going to start a series tonight called The Two Parts of Life, and this is really, really important stuff because, um, well, like, uh, it's probably... It's probably one of the biggest, without doubt, one of the biggest revelations that I've ever seen. And the reason is because this is what unlike, unlocks the life of God in our lives. This is what we're going to see tonight is this is what unlocks the power. How many people have ever wanted to just be free? You know, just be walking in total freedom and not be bound by anything. Well, this is how, it, how that works. This is, this is the system that God has put into place to make that happen in your life. And you need to understand it because not only do you need it in your life, but you want to be able to carry it with How many people would like to be able to pray for your neighbor or your family and literally see them be free? Wouldn't that be cool, right? I mean, after you're free, that would be cool too, right? That'd be really cool. And if you walked in that freedom, how would you like to see that in a reality? Well, this is what's got to be understood in order for that to happen. And I'm going to get to a point here tonight, and I'm going to apologize because this is not how I operated as a pastor for the first seven years, pastor and boomerang. And I will apologize and repent to you when you understand what I'm apologizing for. This has changed how I, how I minister and how I counsel and how I get life to people. And the, the results from it have been instantaneous. As soon as I recognized this and switched it, I immediately saw, started seeing the fruit of God raise up to another level. Part of the reason why we've been seeing the power of God poured out, a big, big part, the biggest part, is what I'm going to show you tonight. So let's just go ahead and turn to uh, Job and chapter 2 and verse 11. In Job, and everybody knows the story of Job pretty much. You know, he was a good guy. He was a godly guy. And uh, the King James said that he was perfect, but that original word doesn't mean perfect the way we understand it today. The original word meant that he was mature. In other words, his heart was after God is basically what that means. And so uh, one of the things that I always had issue with is that uh, Job went through all the trouble, and then all of a sudden his friends show up. And uh, we can just read that in uh, Job chapter 2 and verse 11. It says, Now when Job's three friends heard of all this adversity that had come upon him, <clears throat> they came each one from his own place, all these the E guy, the B guy, and the Z guy. Amen. And they made an appointment together to come to sympathize with him and comfort him. Yeah. All right. So they, they, these are good friends. And they came to comfort their friend. How do you know, don't you know that sometimes even people with good intentions can miss it? And his three friends did exactly that. And it says in verse 12, when they lifted up their eyes at a distance and, didn't, and did not recognize him. That's how messed up he was. They didn't even recognize him. They raised their voices and wept, and each of them tore his robe, and they threw dust over their heads toward the sky. This was, a, this was an action that they would do to show great... Uh, um, 
anguish for their friend. Then they sat down on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights with no one speaking a word to him, for they saw that his pain was very great. All right, so here come his three friends. They, he's so messed up, they don't even recognize him. And then his friends come, and they realize he's in such pain, you know, mental, emotional, physical. He's in such pain. They sit down, and they don't say a word for seven days and seven nights. This is the thing they did right. They shut up. <laughs> they were quiet. <laughs> this was the right thing for his friends to do. They just were there for him. They were there for him. Think, I want you to hear this because we'll probably come back to it. They were there for him. They were there for him. Recently, one of my pastor that's a spiritual father to me said, Brian, everybody just wants somebody to believe in them. Yeah. They just want somebody, you know, uh, some, if I can put it in, in physical terms, they just want somebody to give them a hug and hold them, you know? And as much, you know, manly American men that we are, we don't even like to say that, but the truth is every now and then we feel like that. We don't want to talk about it too much, but we, what we really want is we just want somebody that believes in us enough that says, I believe in you. Yeah. You're going to make it. You're going to come out of this thing. Yeah. Same thing. This is what his friends were doing when they were doing it good. They just believed in him, okay? But then they started talking. <laughs> then they started trying to figure stuff out. And I want you to see something because this problem that they have really originates all the way back to the Garden of Eden when they desired to be like God. They desired to know the why. They wanted to know the how. And so all of a sudden, Job's friends started trying to help him out. And they started with all this big speech. I mean, just go through the first chapter or two when they start talking to him, and it's a bunch of religious garbage. But they were trying. Their heart was to help their friend. They showed that. I mean, who else is going to sit there for seven days and not say anything? I mean, when's the last time you sat for seven days and didn't say anything? When's the last time you sat for seven minutes and didn't say anything? You know, but this is three of them. None of them said anything for seven days. They, they had a heart for Job. Would you not agree? That's a big deal to sit there for seven days. But then they start talking. They're telling him what he did, what to do, what not to do, what Job did wrong. And then we know that they messed up because when we go over to Job uh, chapter 42 and verse 7, let's go there real quick, all the way at the end of the chapter. Job 42 verse 7, it says, It came about after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, if you can kind of get a feel for this, so somewhere in the mid-30s chapter, from chapter like 3 or 4 all the way to the mid-30s, that's all them talking and trying to figure out stuff. Garbage, okay? And uh, But then all the way out here we have God who comes in and says, It came about after the Lord had spoken these words to Job 
that the Lord said to the Ega, my wrath is kindled against you and against your two friends because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. So we know they done messed up. I mean, when God shows up himself and is like, my wrath is towards you, you done messed up, son. You and your friends, right? All right. Then in verse 10, it says this, the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. In other words, he's forgiven them, he's blessing them. So what we're seeing here, and the Lord increased all that Job had twofold. So what we're seeing here is the friends came, they did good for seven, uh, seven days, seven days and seven nights. They were quiet, they shut up, they were just there for him. They loved on him. Then they started trying to correct him. They started trying to tell him what he could do right. And that's when they messed up. Now, here's my problem. For seven years in the church, when somebody's had a problem, my heart is to love on them, to be there for them, to help them get through. And what a, if ever, anybody ever comes through a situation, right? If anybody ever comes through a hard time, what are they almost always asking the person in charge? Why did this happen? What's going on? Why did this happen? Have, have you ever been in that position where somebody comes to you wanting to know why? And you feel obligated to give them an answer. You, you want to give them an answer. And so I always saw Job's friends as really trying to, trying to help Job. And I'm thinking, he's trying to give them an answer. He's trying, they're trying to get Job to the place where, where he can figure out what he did wrong because he did mess up some stuff, it looks like. We don't know everything, but you know, it looks like he did mess up. They're trying to help him out so he doesn't fall into that pit again. Doesn't that sound good? And yet, God says, mm-mm, not right. God says, mm-mm, you've spoken wrong. Now, part of it was their ignorance about God, but their biggest thing is what we're talking about tonight. They tried to correct him and show him what he did wrong and what he did right. When did they do right? When, the, when they shut up and they just were there for him. Appreciate y'all catching the <laughs> shut up part so strongly. So it, when they were there and they loved on Job and they just were there, I believe in you. I believe in you enough to sit here for seven days and just feel your pain with you to help you carry the burden of the pain that you're going through. You know, there's some instances, we'll talk more about these, but there's some instances where, where Jesus had people come to him and say, why and what happened? And most of the time when they go, why and what happened, you know what Jesus answers them with? He doesn't answer their question. He doesn't answer it. But I'm telling you as a leader, especially as a pastor, and you got people coming to you going, why and what happened? There's this natural fleshly side of you that wants to give an answer for that. And sometimes, most of the time, pretty much all the time, it's the wrong thing to do. Because that's not really what's needed. What's needed more than anything is they just need to be believed in and loved on. 
And so I looked at Job's friends for all of my life up until the beginning of this year. And I, didn't, I knew that God was right, but I didn't know how he was right. But I, I had a problem with Job's friends being the bad guy. I'm like, why are they the bad guy? They're trying to help their friend. Why are they the bad guy? Here's the thing. What Job's friends did, in Romans it talks about that when you live by the law, what's the outcome? The law being the do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. You know, do, do this, do this, do this. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. The legalities of it. When you live by that system, what's the outcome? Death. Right? You live by the Spirit, it's life. But you live by the law, it's death. So what did Job's friends do? Job, you did this, you did this, you did this, you need to do this, you need to not do this. What did they bring to them? The judgment of the law. So what did they effectively bring to them? Death. And when I saw that, besides wanting to kick my own self in the butt, I finally got it. I finally woke up to it, and I understood, man, I'm doing this wrong. But I'm going to tell you what. Here was the next question. How in the world and what in the world do you say? What do you do? What do you say in situations like that? And recently, um, somebody's trying to call me. That's pretty funny. I'm sorry, I ain't got no answers for you. I love you. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> so recently I heard someone's thoughts. Uh, somebody was talking about some stuff, and, and they said that some of the main things that they thought should be taught in church is the connections between sin and punishment and between obedience and blessings. That sounds pretty much par for the course for church, doesn't it? Well, if you do this, you're going to be punished. But if you do this right, you're going to walk in the blessings. What does that sound like? The law. It definitely don't sound like grace. And it doesn't sound like the righteousness of God in Christ. But doesn't it sound like church? And then we wonder, while well, we've got no power... And while we're walking in so little. So hopefully, at least over the last three or four months, you've even seen a change in me. I hope that, that in the last three or four months, you know, around about you know, February or March or something like that, you saw my heart change. I hope that you've you know, discerned enough to see some of that because this is what happened. I started seeing, Lord, I just need to love on people. Now, I understood that. I understood that in theory. But like I said, I'd, I'd been taught just like you were all my life that this is where churches to do is to bring you to the place where do this, don't do that. And, and if you do this, you'll be blessed. I've even preached like that. But please understand that when we connect, when I show you all the connections to what you do, is connects you to the blessing or the curse, I'm taking you to the law, I'm taking you straight back to death. And there's no way 
that you can really walk in the abundance of life that God has for you. James 2.10. James chapter 2 and verse 10 says this, For whoever keeps the whole law, let's say that there's, you know, 600 laws, and they keep 599 of them. Whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. He's become guilty of all. So in other words, if I take somebody to do this, don't do that, now all of their life depends on whether or not they uphold them all. So what Job's friends did is they literally led him to the place that was impossible for him to live by, completely impossible. And as a pastor, what would happen is I'd find somebody in a bad situation, and honestly, I can see seeds that they sowed to get themselves in that situation. Most of the time when I, somebody would come up and go, Pastor, why? And I'd go, well, here's where you missed it here, and here's what you did here, and here's what you did here, and, and you need to change this. And those things are all true. And if they'll change them, I can change what they're sowing, and their life does improve. But it did, never led them to total freedom, and it never really took away their pain right there in that moment. And for that, I repent to y'all right here tonight. I repent for it because I just didn't know any better. But I'm learning just like you. Thank goodness you got somebody preaching this message to you now. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Because it's a powerful thing. And there's something here. Here's the thing. You know, so if we just tell someone to do this or don't do that, it leads to death. Then what should we do? Because our whole life is not just sitting there you know, like a knot on the log silent <laughs> that's not that's not the life of a christian we have a job we have a responsibility so what should we do what should we do well here's the thing there was one that did uphold the law he did every part of it and his name was jesus and the word says this it says that let, let's just go there second corinthians chapter 5 and I believe it's verse 21 yep it says this in 2nd Corinthians 5 21 it says that he made him who knew no sin I'm talking about Jesus he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him, in Christ. So what that says is, in Jesus, God made us right. And he took away every single wrong. Now you've heard that preached, but you probably haven't seen it well demonstrated. What I'm talking about tonight is the demonstration of this 
in action in our lives and not leading somebody right back to the law, but saying, here's, here's the thing that you have to understand. The series is called Two Parts of Life. And the number one part is, is simply God loving on you. And this is when he gave his love and poured it out on you and he made you right and he gave you everything that you needed as far as salvation goes. And the truth of the matter is, and this is what I want you to get, it does make a difference to him whether or not you engage in part two. Because if you, in turn, love him back, his kingdom is expanded. But this is what you need to see more than anything else. Whether you ever give back to him and engage in part two that's loving on God or not, it will never stop his part of loving on you. It will never stop the righteousness of God. It will never stop you being right in God's eyes. In other words, no matter what you've done up to this point, no matter where you've been, no matter how you messed up, here's what God wants. He wants to save you. He wants to get you out of the trouble. He wants to bring you to freedom. He does not want to leave you in the pit. He wants to set you completely free. He doesn't care how you got there. He doesn't care what the circumstances were, where you grew up, how it happened, what you were thinking, how evil it was, or how good it was. He does not care. He just wants to see you free. You will never be able to stop his love towards you. The word says it like this. He loves you with an everlasting love. And look, he doesn't even care about this side of it, whether or not you're going to love him back. You are just not going to be able to stop that. Here's the other part of it. This part right here is not determined by how good you are right now. In other words, if I'm going to pour out my goodness on somebody then I have to have the stuff to give, right? I have to have the power. I have to have, you know, in God's case, he has to have healing in his power. He has to have uh, resources in his power to give you provision. He has to have eternal salvation in, at his disposal in order to give you that. Well, he has it, but so many times, here's what we think. Oh, I messed up today, so... I'm not going to get this. I messed up today, so I'm not going to get that. And God looks at that same situation and says, and if you look back a couple of verses, we'll just read it real quick. 2 Corinthians 5, 19. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not Christians the world he was making the world right and this next is so so not so important so big not counting their trespasses against them against who the world not Christians the world and he's committed to us the word or the ministry of reconciliation reconciliation means that you've been made right in other words, this is the ministry of the church. You've been made right. 
You've been made right. You've been made right. You've been made right. Well, I know he has, but I hadn't, I hadn't received it yet. I know he's still mad at No, he's not mad at you. He's not holding your trespasses against you. He doesn't even see them. What he sees is Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus. When he looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. He's not bad at you. Well, all of a sudden, you start to realize that I'm right in God's eyes, and scriptures like this come boldly before the throne. Make sense. When all of a sudden, when he says, look, believe on me, that believe on me, and, and I will give you salvation, I will save you. And we know, we know in here because we've taught on it, that salvation doesn't just mean going to heaven. It means healing, deliverance, restoration, provision, protection. It means all of those things. All of a sudden, when we recognize that nothing can stand in the way of God's love for us, part one, he loves you, all of a sudden we start to realize I can't stop his love, and if I will just turn faith, that's the only thing required of you, and it doesn't even cost you anything. You just turn belief towards God, and that reckons you to righteousness. When you turn faith towards God, you become that righteousness that's already paid for, and whatever it is you need, and whatever area you need saving in, it becomes yours. Because technically, he doesn't even see you and all your mess, past, present, and future. He doesn't see your mess. He sees Jesus. Amen. All of a sudden, you say, man, if Jesus is praying for me, I can receive. Lord, I believe. And all of a sudden, it happens. Now, I've had, so part one of life is God loving on us. That's part one. Part two is us loving on God. In other words, I don't do right now to try and get God's love to me. I do right because I do love God, because I have received his love. When I have received his love, it now actually empowers me to love him. And we'll talk about that more, but you can't even love until you've received his love. It's not possible. But I don't do this now because I need to put food on the table or I need a healing. I don't do that so that I can become free. Christ already did that. He paid the price for it all. I just have to believe and receive, and God doesn't care what I do back. It does concern him. It does make a difference, but he doesn't care in terms of whether or not he's going to love me or not, whether or not he's going to pour out his goodness or not. This all has to do with the gift of righteousness. He's given you a gift. Your only job with a gift is to receive it. Well, there's reasons why people don't like that message, and I'm going to talk about that as we go on down because they f feel like, well, if, if you're not, anything's not owed of you, then people just go crazy, and I get that. I understand that. But once you start to understand this, see, how many people now do you think have actually received the love of God? Maybe in to be born again, but how many are receiving it on a regular basis for all of their needs. Very few. You know why? Because they're trying to do good to get God's good. 
And that means they're in the law. That means they haven't received his love in that area. That means now they're not even empowered to do right. Let me tell you what's happened since then, since this became a reality to me. You know, I started going, Lord, okay, because I had a couple of situations come up uh, where I was dealing uh, with people and counseling. And, and so, like, there's this one situation that came up, and uh, somebody had something that was kind of bad, and they're asking the question, why? Why? You know, what happened? What is this? And so I said, all right, Lord, how do I handle this? And I said, I know what I need to do. I need to believe in them, and I need to give them love, and I need to tell them that no, no matter how they got to the situation, nothing can stop God's love. What he wants right now is to comfort you, give you peace, and love on you. Even, even it's not, but even if it was all your fault, 100%. God still wants you well, and he still wants you whole. He still wants you whole. And so when I came at it with that heart, and, and the other side of it was, what do I do about it, Lord? What, what, a, what does pastor do to help that situation? Well, I don't go back to him like Job's friends and say, God loves you, but here's what you need to fix. And lit, make a list of what they need to fix. When I came at it from the situation, look, like this. I, come here, John, real quick. This is, let's say that John had the issue and he had the problem. And, and I, I came at him, instead of coming at him and saying, man, I'm so sorry. You know, next time, if you would do this, 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 and this, and this. Now, what am I giving him in actuality? The law and death. How's that making him feel? Yeah, good, right? No. No, because ultimately, you know what? Maybe not here in his head, but in his heart, he knows, I can't do all that stuff to be good enough to receive God's goodness. So he's receiving a sentence within himself simply by me telling him what to do. So, all right, yep, let that sit. So, but when I said, all right, I'm going to go to him, and I'm not going to tell him anything to do. Matter of fact, I, and I, this was hard for me. This was a tough one for me. I'm not even going to care if he corrects course. I'm just going to operate the way God does and just give him my love and, and give him not just my love, but give him the love of God. And I don't care if he corrects course or not. I'm going to tell you, my logical mind was like, you know, it's misfiring at this point, right? I had to be operating by the Spirit because my logic was, it was, it was giving me some trouble. But I said, okay, I'm not even trying to correct. I'm just bringing the love. I'm just bringing the love of God. When I did that, God said, here's what I want you to say. And it was all just loving on him. I want you to say this. This is going to be important to, to uh, him. I want you to say this. I want you to say this. And I want you to say this. I want you to say this. And this is going to be important to them. What's going to be important to him? For something for him to fix? 
No, no, no. This is going to be important to help him heal. What I'm bringing is the healing. I'm bringing the, the, the healing to whatever situation it is. All right, now watch. Here's what happened. Once I set my heart to do that, the Lord gave me the wisdom to bring about healing. Now I'm walking, I'm walking in supernatural power to bring about healing. I wasn't walking in that before because I was bringing the law and death. Okay? So then I bring these things, and this was, this was a situation, and, and it's like, and as soon as I get into the conversation, it opens up perfectly, exactly one, two, three, four, just like, just like God said, the Holy Spirit ministered to me. Here's point number one, it brings about a peace of healing. Here's point number two, brings about a peace of healing. You know, you can see the spirits being lifted. Here's point number three, brings about a peace of healing. And then he brought up point number four to me. And I said, yes, that's right. The Holy Spirit knew exactly what to do. Now what's going on here? What, what healing is happening. What have they just received? The love of God. The freedom from that situation. And you know what happened? And you know what he did several days later? This wasn't John, by the way. I'm just using him as a stand-in. You know what this person did several days later? They had just received, for real, the heart of God. And so several days later, they called me on the phone and said, how can I love God right? And I was able then to say, well, how do you think? You know, old me would have been like, well, you can do this, 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 and this. But I was like, well, what do you got going on in this? But see, I'm not after the list anymore. I'm after where's your heart on it? Because if they're not giving in love, it's not really worth it anyway. They got to want to do that. They got to want to love on God. I've, you know, and so all of a sudden, I'm like, well, let me ask you some questions. And I start asking him some questions. You know, that's the heart of God. He starts asking you questions anyway. And uh, you know that's God talking when he starts asking you questions. So, and all of a sudden, we come to a place, and they're like, yeah, I need to change it. You know what? You know what he actually did? He actually started changing stuff that I've been talking about for a while. Stuff that I've been trying to get to happen for all the right reasons, it seemed like. Stuff, you know, I wanted him to correct his life so much. I wanted to help him. All of a sudden, I just applied the love of God and the gift of righteousness. And look, there's nothing that you can do that can stop God from wanting to heal you right now. All of a sudden, that love was received. Healing came love was then produced in him and now was given it back to god now this person's operating on a higher level on on several different planes all of a sudden ministry's working i'm not the only one that should be applying this thank you sir not only that but here's the thing when you get in your situation and you get in your place where you're beat up and you're feeling like this just happened to me the other day. I was in a, I was in a service and uh, my back was hurting me and I was sitting there. We were in praise and worship and it started hurting me so much like that's the only thing I could, I could think about 
right? That's the only thing that I could think about. Started hurting me, started hurting me. I'm like, for 15 minutes, I'm like, golly. And I said, you know what? I started thinking about this. Lord, you have made me righteous. There is nothing that is not right about me in your eyes. I am in good fellowship with you because of the love of God. And there's nothing that can stop that love. Lord, I just ask that you, your love would touch me right now. Within two minutes, that thing had completely dissolved. Completely pain, completely gone. And it was so bad, I couldn't even hardly stand it. I didn't change the way I was standing or anything. Nothing changed except that this helped me now receive. And it'll help you too. So tonight, wherever you're at, you, you may be that person that's sitting there going, yeah, man, I need some healing. I need some love poured out in me. I need something. And I just, I'm not here to tell you what to fix and what to change. And this is what, how the Lord told me to start operating, is just this. Look, there's one part of this that you really need to be concerned with. That's God's love towards you. If later on you want to talk about, you want to, but it'll have to be you bringing it up. You understand? I'm not going to force feed it. If you want to talk about how you can love God better, how you can love God better, we can talk about that all day long. But there's two things that we're going to talk about in Boomerang for the rest of our time. And that is, one, how God loves us. And two, how we love God. But right now, no matter where you're at, I don't care what kind of thing you need freedom in. God's love is here for you right now. It's always been there. It's just you may not have known it like this. And I'm telling you, you can get freedom right now. So if you want prayer for anything, I want you to come up right now, and we're going to quickly pray and let the love of God move. Amen? So come on up if you want freedom. You can stand in for somebody if you want to. Lord, you love your people. Ah, oh, Father, you love people. You love people. And there's nothing that we can do that will stop your love. There's absolutely nothing that will stop your love. Father, we can get it wrong so many ways. I've gotten it wrong personally so many times in so many ways. But you love every single person that's here in this and even every person that's not here in this. Right now, Lord, I just ask that your, your love manifest right now. And I just praise you for it. Thank you, Father, for your love. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you, Father. We receive, we believe, and we receive your love. Say, I believe, and I receive your love, and I can't stop it. Yeah, in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for your love, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for healing everything, setting everything free in the name of Jesus. Every bit of provision that's needed in everybody, thank you, Father, for your love. Provision be in Jesus' name. Yeah, provision be. Love of God be made manifest now. 
in Jesus' name. Freedom, come now in Jesus' name. What was your daughter's name? Jada. Jada. Lord, we just pronounce in the, by the authority right here that Christine has over Jada's life as mom. Lord, we receive love now. Love come, break the yokes, destroy the deceptions, and bring the freedom of Christ now in any way that is needed. Thank you, Father, for it. Love come now and be free in Jesus' name. Love be made manifest. Thank you, Father. Love be made manifest in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Love be made manifest in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Love be made manifest now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Love be made manifest now in Jesus' name. And just, I would have you all just say, I believe and I receive his love in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a good night. Have a good night.